And in this series, what we've been talking about is we've been talking about how God's kingdom, which is where God is ruling and where God is reigning, and will it, where fully realized in heaven, uh, it's really available for us right here and now uh, in this life. And we can experience it. We can experience the flavors of it. We can experience the benefits of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, in this life, as we get to know God and as we learn to live life His way, and so tonight's talk I've entitled Good Versus Ultimate, uh, which honestly, as I was thinking about it more, could really just be subtitled How to Not Undermine the Success of the Good Things in Your Life. Um, now before I explain a little bit more of what I mean by that, I want you to take another quick minute and pause and turn to the person next to you and just share with them briefly what are a few good things in your life and, and why are you glad that they're in your life? Maybe, maybe they're a person, maybe they're a thing. Maybe it's circumstances, uh, but what are a couple of good things in your life and why you're happy about those? And then I'll call us back together. So take a minute and do that. So tell the person next to you. to make that final statement and then we'll wrap it up and bring it back in here. Now, I don't know about you, um, but for me, uh, while while there's always a temptation to uh, participate in clearly wrong things, you know, either by my standards or by God's standards, and those things can really wreak havoc in my life, just having a sinful nature as a person. Um, while that, that's always there, uh, oftentimes what I find, though, is that what tends to undermine the success in my life a lot and what tends to cause extra pain and suffering and just tension and stress in my life is actually not so much always the bad things, although there, there is that, but it's as I allow good things in my life to really become ultimate things in my life. And what I mean by that. Um, is I allow a good thing in my life to move not just from being something that I enjoy, and, but something that I, I think if I don't have it, uh, life will not work out the way I think it's going to work out, or life will not come together the way I think it should. Or if I don't have it, I won't be able to fully enjoy life the way I think I should be enjoy it. You know, a couple of examples of that in my life, and I probably could give a ton of examples, would be just in the area of raising my kids, the ones that you saw in the, in the video, and then getting good grades uh, as I finish up my master's degree at Gateway Seminary, which, God willing, I'll be done uh, in the spring after six years. Uh, but, yes, that's right, another long endeavor. Um, I've, I've never gotten this many claps in my life about anything, so this is great. Um, now, for me, you know, take the, the raising the kids, for example. Now, like any good parent, I would want to raise my kids uh, to really be successful adults, right? Um, 
I'd want them to grow up with good character. I'd want them to grow up with, with skills where they can really, where they really have enjoyable relationships and healthy relationships with people around them and really healthy relationships with my wife and I. Um, and I want them to be someone that they can, they can really have a positive impact in the world around them. And as a Christian, you know, I also really want them to really know how to have a relationship with Jesus and really follow him because I think that's the best decision anyone could ever make. Like, I want these things for my kids. And yet, um, I think you would all agree that raising your kids, yes, about why that is a, a successful, a good thing to have, that you want your kids to be successful in life. Oftentimes, I find myself moving this good thing into a category of ultimate to where I think, man, if, if I don't have those kind of relationships with my kids when they grow up, if they don't turn out the way I think would really be most successful for them, I don't think I could really receive life joyfully. And so I find myself being tempted in situation after situation to either either undercorrect with that fear, underlying fear, or either overcorrect or overinstruct because I'm wanting this good thing to make sure it stays in my life. And ironically, I end up doing things and making decisions that really undermine the success of that good thing in my life. Um, or when it comes to grades in the seminary, I th again, I think all of us would agree, getting good grades is a good thing. That's why you're here at USC. Um, and if you're a Christian, you say, yeah, and getting good grades is also a good thing because you know, doing your best really pleases God as you do that. Uh, and for me, as I'm in seminary, I'm taking classes like you know, theology and church history and you know, Old Testament and, and all these other things. And I mean, these are like God subjects. So to not do well in those subjects would almost seem like disrespectful to God, right? It's like, I don't really think, I love you, God, but I got to see in you know, theology or something like that. Um, and, and, and if you know me personally, too, you also think, like, I, I have a very high uh, responsibility gene where I think if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it well. I'm not going to do it halfway. That's just the way I'm kind of wired. And so, but to be honest, though, at the same time, I struggle with not letting this good thing of getting good grades become an ultimate thing um, where I think if I don't get all A's, you know, life's not going to come together as I think it should. And so I find myself being tempted to sleep less than I should. Maybe you can relate to that. Um, I find myself, you know, spending less time with my kids or my wife than I should or spending less time with God than I should. And ironically, all these good things that would help me get better grades like peace and health and healthy relationships and good sleep, I'm neglecting for the sake of grades, you know. And the one person I'm really wanting to please in all this and do this well is because I'm wanting to please God and I'm neglecting him so I can get these grades to please him. Are you, are you following me here? It's a, and, uh, and so ironically, again, I, I'm doing things that really undermine the very success of that good thing in my life in the first place. And what I'm starting to realize is this, is this idea here on the screen is that oftentimes a good thing can become a bad thing when it becomes an ultimate thing. A good thing can become a bad thing when it becomes an ultimate thing. And maybe as I'm sharing this, maybe there's some good things in your life that are starting to come to the surface where you're thinking, yeah, I, I, I'm trying, I'm potentially making that an ultimate thing in my life. And may, maybe it's something that you think, you know, again, if, if I don't have it, I don't think I could receive life joyfully. Or if I don't have this thing in my life, I'm not sure life's going to really come together the way I think it should. You know, maybe for some of you it's grades. Maybe it's a relationship. Uh, maybe it's a reputation or maybe it's a body image. Or maybe it's uh, money or career or family. I mean, the list could go on. Um, now, none of these things in and of themselves are bad things. They're good things. You know? But ironically, if we begin to make them ultimate things, we'll begin to make decisions and choices as we relate to them that undermine the very success of those good things in our life. For example, 
if being in a dating relationship or being happily married is goes from a good thing to an ultimate thing, you might either be so picky because you have this perfect standard of the person you have to date or marry that you'll stay single the rest of your life, or you want to be married and dating so badly that your standards are nothing to where, I mean, if they're breathing and willing, you're going to date and marry that person, you know? And then if you do happen to get married, you know, you might be so emotionally dependent and controlling because this has to work out. After all, this is ultimate. That That's going to make for a terrible marriage. Or you might end up dating or marrying someone with a completely different set of values, which also will undermine a healthy dating relationship or marriage. Or if having money is not just a good thing, but an ultimate thing, you might choose jobs that don't really leverage your skills or don't really uh, fulfill you, but instead they just make you money. You know? Or you might end up you know, wanting money so badly that over time you begin to cut corners and begin to exploit things in your business or around people because, again, you have to have money. Or you, you spend so much time, and maybe some of you guys can relate, you spend so much time working to make money to provide for your family that you neglect the very relationships you're, in which you're wanting to provide for, and eventually you lose those relationships because you're spending so much time working to make money. And so by making money an ultimate thing rather than just a good thing for security in life, it actually begins to become the source of pain and the source of instability rather than a good thing. Or one more example, if being in shape physically is not just a good thing, but an ultimate thing, then you might spend so much time getting in shape to you know, look good for the person that you might want to date that you don't spend time actually developing your character, which is actually going to be the thing that keeps your relationship if you get one at all. And you know, there you go. And, and for me, I mean, most of the people I know that have had bad breakups in dating or have gotten married and had a bad divorce, which again, is there such thing as a good divorce? I've had a divorce, you know, a period. Um, it's not usually been for lack of physique, it's been for lack of character, you know? And so again, making a good thing an ultimate thing, the, in all these examples you see, you know, a good thing can become a bad thing if it becomes an ultimate thing. Now you may be asking yourself, like I've asked myself in situations like this, you know, okay, why is that? Why is, why is it that when I make a good thing an ultimate thing, it, it undermines its, 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 its success in my life? Say that five times fast. Its success in my life. And maybe even more important, um, what can we do to really actually prevent this from happening in our life? And see, the great thing about this is, you know, about 2,000 years ago, there were people asking those same kind of questions and going through very similar things, just like you and me. And they were trying to figure out, well, yeah, how do we do that? And so into this confusing kind of predicament, Jesus really provides clarity. And he provides answers to these questions and explains to us how to avoid letting good things become bad things by becoming ultimate things. And so a man named Matthew, who was one of Jesus' closest friends and one of his first followers, uh, he records something that Jesus says that's really helpful in us answering this first question of why does making a good thing an ultimate thing undermine its success? And it's found in Matthew 9, verse 24, and this is what it says. It should be up here on the screen for you. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, now in this context, God, uh, or Jesus is talking about serving God versus serving money, but really, you could take out the word money and put any of those other good things that we just talked about tonight, and the equation still fits because of what he says at the end of the verse there. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, now don't miss this, guys, because this is what Jesus says here. This is a very profound insight into the way you and I work as human beings. 
And it's this, it's the idea of we were designed with the capacity to only serve one thing at a time. We were designed with the capacity to only really serve one thing at a time. Whether that's God, or that's money, or whether that's your boyfriend or girlfriend or career or yourself, you can only serve one thing at a time. Now you might be thinking, okay, wait, wait, Jeremy, I'm not serving this good thing in my life. You know, I just don't think I can live without it. And so I'm going to make sure that I have it. Or you might be thinking, no, I'm not serving this good thing in my life. I just think that's a really important thing in order for me to, for my life to turn out the way I think it should. So I'm going to do everything I can to secure it. Now, just think about that for a second. My friends, if, if those are the kind of thoughts that are going through your head about any of the good things in your life, that's master talk. That's master talk. If, if anything good in your life uh, moves to the point that you have to have it, or if you maybe you don't have it, but you're going to do anything to get it or to keep it, then that thing or that person, it, that actually controls you. You don't control it. That thing or that person is your master. You're not its master. So then what do we do? If, if only one thing can be our master, if only one thing can be ultimate in life, well, then what do we choose? Well, Jesus also speaks to this a little bit later in his life, and Matthew is there again to to be an eyewitness and hear it and, then he, and record it himself. And he does so in Matthew 16, uh, verse 24 and 25. And this is what he says. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life for me will find it. Now in light of the previous statement that we just looked at that Jesus said, it makes sense why he says we'd have to deny ourselves, right? I mean, because you cannot serve two things at one time. You're either going to serve yourself or you're going to serve God. We only have the capacity for one. So instead of making what we want ultimate, making that our master, Jesus encourages us and invites us to say, hey, why don't you make me your master? Why don't you serve me instead? But the question is why? Well, why, why would he ask us to do that? Well, because of what it says there in verse 25, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life for me We'll find it. Now, guys, this, this is the central point right here I want you to get. If, you, if you're not paying attention to anything else, like pay attention to this point right here. Because this is really the, the game changer here. This is, this is the answer to the dilemma of the question that we were trying to figure out earlier, which is this. You know, what Jesus is saying is if you or I are trying to save our life by making good things in our lives, ultimate things, and, and things that we have to have in order for life to come together or for us to enjoy life the way we think we should, then we're going to undermine our own success um, and we will ultimately end up losing our life as a result of that. But if we refuse to make good things in our lives ultimate things, and other than just knowing and following Jesus, then we're actually going to be able to find real life. We're going to be able to find real joy because following him is what actually makes life come together in the first place. Following him is the only thing that will allow you to enjoy the good things in your life without undermining the very success of those good things. So how do we do that practically? How do we, how do we begin to, to live out what he's saying here? Well, I have a few suggestions just from uh, my life that I want to share. But before I do, I want to give you a couple of clarifications on what this verse does not mean. That can easy, when you read it, it can be easy to assume uh, if you're not careful. And so let me give you a couple of those first. First, is this. Making a relationship with Jesus the only ultimate thing in life does not mean you're going to get every single good thing that you want. I mean, God does not owe us that. 
But what it does mean is that we recognize this, that the good things that we do have in life come into our lives and stay into our lives on the pathway of following Jesus, not on the pathway of following those good things instead of Jesus. Does that make sense? It's on the screen, but I'm going to say it again. The good things that we have in life come into our lives and they stay in our lives, not uh, on the pathway of following Jesus, not on the pathway of following those things instead of Jesus. If you ever come into my home, um, one of the things you'll notice is that in various rooms I have kind of signs, uh, different wooden signs and different colors hanging up around the house with different quotes, some from bands, some from uh, Bible verses, but there are different truths in life that I have picked out specifically because I want to remember those things from my life. And one of those ones is hanging in my son William's room, and it's James 1.17. Now the James who wrote uh, James 1.17 is actually the half-brother of Jesus, who originally did not think that Jesus was a son of God, but thought he was crazy. But, you know, when he saw him die and then rise from the dead, he became a believer. You know, and I think, you know, the same would probably be true of you. If, you. if you saw your sibling predict their own death and resurrection and then pull it off, you might think a little bit different things about them. So this is the James that wrote this. And he says in chapter 1, verse 17, he says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. See, the reason I have this quote in my son's room um, is to remind myself that my children, along with every good thing that I have in life, really is a gift from God. It's not something that I got, you know, apart from God or I got despite God. And if those good things came in my life, like my children, from God, wouldn't it be, wouldn't the best way for those things to stay in my life to, would be to handle those areas of life in line with the way God has for me rather than around it if he's the one that gave it to me? I mean, just think about that, right? So making a relationship with Jesus the only ultimate thing in life does not mean uh, that we will get every good thing we want in life, but what it does mean is that it's the key to not undermining the success of those good things that he does give us as we make him the only ultimate thing. So that's the first clarification. The second clarification is this. Making a relationship with Jesus the only ultimate thing in life does not mean we have to live a one-dimensional kind of life. You know, it not mean, okay, well, if I'm going to make Jesus the only ultimate thing in my life, I guess that means then all I have to do is just read the Bible, go to church, then go to church and read the Bible and listen to Christian music and watch Christian movies, you know, especially Kirk Cameron ones. You get double points for that. You know, like that's not, that's not what, you know, living with God is the only ultimate thing means. I mean, just, just look at, the, at David from the Old Testament. He was called by God himself as a man after God's own heart. And yet, he was anything but a one-dimensional kind of guy. I mean, he was a shepherd. He was a warrior. He was a poet. He was a father. He was a king. He was a husband. He was a musician. I mean, the guy was rather versatile in his life. I mean, he had a few things going. But the reason he had success in so many of his areas of life was because instead of his life looking like this next image right here, where if his life was, you know, a pie and, you know, he had... Not that those are areas of life. Those may be areas of your life. But um, instead of God just being one slice of his life, and if he was really spiritual, you know, God would be an even bigger slice of his life. Instead, his life looked more like this next image. Two concentric circles where God was not just a slice of his life, but was at the center of his life. And he was involved in leading all the areas of David's life and deciding not only what got a slice of David's life, but how David would handle those different areas of his life. 
And this is what it really means to make a relationship with Jesus the, ult- the only ultimate thing in your life. He's at the center of all the areas of your life. And as we follow him and we handle the various areas of life that he gives us his way, we're really making him the only ultimate thing in our life. So how do we practically do this? Well, let me give you four suggestions and then I'll, I'll wrap up for tonight. Um, now, these suggestions might take a little bit of time out of your schedule than you would normally have, but again, if, if the good things in your life are on the line here and, these, and, and eventually they may turn into ultimate things down the road and you don't want to undermine their success, it might be a good idea to carve out some time to practice these things. Um, so suggestion number one, identify what good things in your life you are currently making ultimate or you're on the pathway to doing so. Now there's a couple ways you probably could go about identifying some of those. And then three things I thought of. One is by looking at what you worry about. I don't know about you, but the things that I tend to worry about are the things I tend to have a really strong grip on because there's something I think I don't have there. So if I lose this, life's not going to go well. And so those are things that are really easy to turn into So you want to watch that. Another way you could identify those things is by asking yourself the question, you know, what is a deal breaker in my life to walk you with God? What's a deal breaker? You know, some of you are probably familiar with uh, the, I don't even know if it's a game, maybe it's just a question of, you know, make it or break it, you know, especially as it relates to things like, like dating or something like that, you know, like, make it or break it. He's got a mustache, and he's like, oh, well, clearly it's break it, you know, um, you know, or make it or break it. He's like five feet tall, or, you know, he's seven feet tall, right, you know, and different things like that. Well, honestly, you ought to really ask yourself that question when it comes to following God, you know, make it or break it, you know, I get the girl, I don't get the girl. You know, make it or break it, I get the job or the salary or I don't get the job or the salary. Or make it or break it, I get the, you know, career I want or I don't, you know. What is a make it or break it for you when it comes to following God? Because whatever you might have a tendency to answer that question on, those are things that might be ultimate in your life that you want to really think about. And then maybe a third way you could identify those is by asking a couple of close friends who really know you and really... Um, are walking with God, ask him, hey, do you see any red flags in my life of things that, like good things in my life that might be moving in the direction of ultimate in the way I treat them and the way I relate to them? So that's suggestion number one. <clears throat> and the reason I say ask some good friends is because, you know, oftentimes there are things that uh, others see in our life a whole lot clearer than we can see. And we can see them in their life, but we can't see them in our own life. And so ask some friends. Second suggestion I'd say is make it a habit to yield control of these good things to God each day in prayer. You know, learn, learn to make a habit of thanking God for the good things in your life and yielding control of them to Him. And if, if there's good things in, that you don't have that you want in your life, well, you can also ask God for those things because, again, He is a Father who loves to give good gifts. But make a habit of really yielding these things each day to Him. And just like Aaron talked about last week, you know, with the Lord's Prayer, that, that's an excellent way to begin to learn to yield these good things in your life to Him. And so if you didn't get to hear that message, I'd encourage you to listen to it, you know, online or website or review your notes on that because they give you a lot of insight on how to begin to do this. And then the third suggestion. Uh, begin to figure out what God has to say in the Bible about the good things you want and how to go about pursuing them in line with His ways. If, you, if we want Him to be leading our life, then it would be a good idea to figure out what he thinks are good things and what he thinks aren't good things and how he tends to provide for those things. Because, if, again, if 
the good things in our life come on the pathway of walking with him rather than going around him, that we want to figure out how does he lead? What does he think is important? And how does he go about providing those in people's lives? And then the last suggestion, and probably the most important one, is get to know Jesus well. Get to know Jesus well. You know, you and I, I can't redirect my heart away from the things that my heart longs for, and neither can you. I mean, we, our heart wants what it wants. And so the only way we can really change our hearts is our hearts have to really be captivated, captivated by something even bigger than what we currently want right now. You know, and, and really that's Jesus. I mean, learn, learning to not let a good thing become an ultimate thing is not about just denying yourself those good things in your life. That's not how you change. That's not how I change. But it's really about letting our hearts fall in love with something, and in this case, someone even greater than the thing that our heart currently wants, to the point that those good things, while they're good, they pale in comparison to actually knowing Jesus. And so whether you know it or not, actually, He is really the, the beauty and glory that your hearts really long for. Um, you maybe just don't even know it yet. So get to know Him. That's, that's the fourth suggestion. Now, imagine if we began to live this kind of way, the impact it would have just on the people in this room and then throughout the rest of campus. I mean, they, they, we begin to have a lot more enjoyable kind of life, but we can really begin to receive good things from God and really enjoy them for what they are, but we don't hold on to them with such a tight grip that we undermine the very success of those things in our life because we realize, actually, while they're a good thing, the only ultimate thing you really need is a relationship with the per- person that provides those good things, which is God himself. But those things you can really hold with an open hand. If we live this kind of way, we'd be less stressful. We'd have less comparison going on. There'd be less depression going on. And we'd really actually have healthy relationships to the point that we'd be in danger of really enjoying our life a lot more than we currently are right now. And as we sought to live this way, one of the things that would also happen, guys, is the surrounding world would begin to watch. And they'd begin to be attracted to this idea of, wow, these people are... Why they, they're going through hard things just like all of us. Like they're really enjoying their life. And they're really getting to see how we get to experience really a taste of what the kingdom of God is like right here and right now at USC. And so I'd encourage us, let's begin to choose this way of living by really enjoying the good things that life gives us but not making them ultimate and instead letting the only ultimate thing in our life really be knowing Him and walking with Him. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to have the band come back up and lead us in some more worship. Father, I thank you that you really are the solution to how we can really... Uh, you're, the, you're the provider of the good things in our life, and you're also the solution to how those things stay good things in our life as we really center our lives around you. And God, we really did... We, I admit, really did. We came into this world with nothing. And really the only thing that we have that are good is would you help us to see that? Would you help us to learn to live with a life centered around you where you're really leading the different areas of life to really learn how to follow you and enjoy, but not good things we in life. And that we could actually leverage those in our lives rather than undermine them. I pray in Jesus' name.